Okay. Just need to increase the gigawatts up to 1.21. Where is that spanner? Ah. Now angle the acoustic coupler just so. Oop. Just have to take the compression tube and connect it to the waveform originator. And... Eureka! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Eureka, the gnomish World of Warcraft podcast, with your hosts, Rock Rock and Pepe. Hi, I'm the precisely engineered photo extractor, also known as Pepe. And I'm Rock Rock, second in command here at G4. And today, we're talking about the history of gnomes and the mega dungeon Tazavesh, the Veiled Market, which is coming in 9.1. First, what have, what have you been up to in WoW recently? Uh, just keeping up with dailies. Getting stuff ready for 9.1. I'm super excited for it. There's a lot that's coming with it. Wish it was here. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of the cool stuff. You, what are... What have you been up to? Um, I have been trying to, after our mountain discussion last time, I actually went and got on Simple Armory and started looking at what I could do to get some of the mounts that I hadn't achieved. And, and the ones I thought would be easiest to knock out kind of solo, for the most part, would be the glory of the dungeon hero type stuff. Oh, you're going old school. I feel like it's something I can like work towards without the randomness factor. Like just farming rares and stuff, I, I don't find super enjoyable, but I do like running through old dungeons and stuff like that. So I think I had knocked out the rest of the Frozen Throne, Lich King raid achievements. I think I had to stand around and get a buff up to 30 stacks or something for one of the achievements and <laughs> yes. finally got uh, that one. Some of those old ones are pretty, pretty tough to do at max level. So. Yeah, it's a little tedious. I had to just stand around and not kill anything. It was kind of annoying. It, it took me, I had to actually kill myself, like wipe myself once because I was running out of time with the berserk timer that's pretty much all i've been up to i saw you got layer eight of the twisting corridor yeah myself along with two other officers uh lily and Tierman, we plugged away at twisting corridors we did two layers at a time so giving us a little break but that's like that's six hours of game time which is not insignificant no it was quite the adventure layer seven was a cakewalk we had fracture chambers three times in a row oh that's good so that was pretty sweet like all of our ability abilities lined up. It was really, really nice. But layer eight, we had to work for that. We did. What's wild is even at 13, we were getting one shot by stuff because oh. of our abilities weren't like I was just getting a bunch of versatility as my my blood. Oh, DK. you weren't getting good choices. I was yeah. I was not getting the meta abilities. Like it was just sure. really lackluster for all three of us. It's kind of hit and miss with that. It is, and that's the random aspect of it. Like we had to work for it, and that's what gave the sense of accomplishment that much more meaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we were like, we actually had to work for it. We went into layer 15 with only three lives. We bought two lives at layer 15, Whoa. lost all those lives on layer 16. You weren't, Did, you weren't getting chased by the terror group though, no. right? Not at that um, point. Okay. We didn't die at all on layer 17, still at zero lives, and then bought two more lives going into floor 18 and Luckily, we just kept our heads in the game, had our interrupts on point, and we did it. Like it was. That must have felt good then, because you. Oh man. To get that close to completely wiping out of the dungeon at that late stage of the run, and I mean that's three-hour commitment. That's that's awesome. That's got to be a good feeling. Well, at this point, it was well over. We were like eight hours into it, invested. We we ran into the decision of do we just give up now and walk out and start a new day later on, try for new abilities, or do we just go grab a drink, reset, and focus? It's not time. It's not time. So we were able to like we had the stalkers. Like there was these hunters that would bug us oh yeah yeah so like one person had to stay on watch while the other two people went to the washroom or whatever the case may be but we decided you know what we're not giving up now we had just we invested already three hours at this point on this lair let's just watch our interrupts watch our footing and we did it it was it was an accomplishment that like it feels good it feels yeah good. that's awesome i think i'm i'm my uh account is up to ready to do layer five which is perfect and I, you know, I, I, watching you guys, I'm like, I should just do that. I kind of like resigned to not doing it because the main reason I was doing it was to be able to ride in the mall and that's coming with 9.1 anyways. And I was like, eh, so much work, but 
I like having goals in the game. The main content of the, for me, which is raiding, is kind of dried up a lot at this point. We're not really pushing too hard into heroic, and normal is pretty easy at this point. So it's like, it's just not a big focus. So I like the idea of having that kind of challenge. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that. Which is good. That achievement, it felt really good after we got it done. We were sitting on our mounts in Oribos and you see people stop. Mm -hmm. They backtrack, they come back and you know that they're looking at you, right? So like it, it feels good. And now that we have it, the three of us have it, we're actually looking at not necessarily carrying, but helping the guild that if people want to commit, we are willing to help those people progress through it, right? Like that's great. Kind of like we did with hard mode Mechagon. Um, totally. Yeah. We, Which we I, helped. I still need to revisit that. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. When you have time, man, let us know. Which is ironic that we're talking about this because we're. Oh, right. Let's transition to that then. So why don't you and I step into the gnomish segment of our podcast? We'll step into the laboratory. Perfect. See you there. Laboratory access granted. Welcome to the laboratory. Behold, as we push the simulation beyond all known boundaries. This is my greatest project yet. A phonomatic exploration of the gnomish experience. All right, so welcome to the laboratory. Today we're talking about, like we said, the history of the gnomes, the backstory. Where do, where do we come from? Our origins. Initial gnomes were created by Mimiron, and they were. And Mimiron is a watcher that was created by the Titans, the Titan Pantheon. They created the Watchers and the dragons and all that stuff on Azeroth to safeguard the world soul. That's the impression that I got. There isn't actually a lot of history about gnomes. Why is that? Because we're very forward thinking. We look to create and improve instead of dwell. Yeah, it's they're looking forward. They're trying to invent new things. And I think I read somewhere once that it's they the the only kind of records they really keep are scientific records not historical records yeah facts just straight numbers what works if it didn't mm-hmm. work yeah yeah that's that's a good fo- i mean it makes sense if they're if they're inventors the society of inventors which i think is a commonly known trait of gnomes they were created by mimiron but who's mimiron what was he about well mimiron like he mentioned is a part of the pathions the titans elite guardians to fight against the old gods that were corrupting azeroth considering destroying the old gods would destroy azeroth itself instead of doing that the titans imprisoned them and then had these jailers these guardians so mimiron was keeper of these these titan jails yeah which is the story spoiler alert this is the story of Aldoar. is all these watchers are there keeping track of yogg saron in that instance right Mm -hmm. now with mimiron considering he is our maker he designed the mechanomes which is where gnomes come from i'll get into the whole why we're fleshy beings now which is based off of the curse of flesh yeah that comes from yogg saron the guardian that was watching yogg saron goes by the name of loken Loken was then corrupted by Yogg. So let me tell you what I know about Loken. Loken was one of the Titan Keepers and that was tasked by the Pantheon to watch over Azeroth. But with the old gods trapped under the planet, basically in all these jails, they could still whisper. I mean, you see that happening over and over again, right? But he was driven mad by Yogg-Saron, almost like Deathwing was, right? Yes. That's the same thing that happened with Deathwing is he essentially got corrupted by the old god whispers. Like, I guess Blizzard's got one story for corrupting people, powerful creatures, is the old gods corrupt them. But you're talking about we were mecha gnomes. What does that mean? We were mechanical constructs made as basically servants. So, you know, I remember seeing all this stuff the story of it kind of plays out in Wrath of the Lich King expansion around Alduar. That's when we really start learning about a lot of this stuff. I mean, that's the first time I think we were introduced to Memoron or even the idea of him. Yeah, I read that somewhere that that's where Memoron's first presence showed up. Now, were you playing in Lich King? I came in at the end of Lich King for Cataclysm. Okay, so you didn't really see the end game content of Lich King until you I were... did through the eyes of my friends. My friends were raiding in Ulduar and ICC. So I got to see them do that and seeing Ulduar from a non-biased, like it was just, I didn't know much about the game. I was able to see it as it was. In IRL, I deal with mechanical stuff all the time. So like to have that related in game was really, really cool. And it was like, it was basically my doorway into the game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's might be why you identify so much with gnomes. Quite possibly. I just, I love the fact of these living mechanical constructs. 
Yeah, that's cool. I like that too. So I remember, so I didn't play, like I played Lich King, but I was like really casual. So I never raided or did any of that. And there was no LFR yet. And so I didn't really get to see that stuff until I went back and was overpowering the content two expansions later or whatever, and could just go in and kill it with, you know, my max level character. Same. Mimiron is basically a giant mechanome model. The old style mechanome, not mechanomes like from Mechagon type. We can go back to that Loken guy. With his betrayal, mm. Mimiron found out and Loken sought out to uh, have Mimiron killed. But once he was killed, his creations and mechanomes ended up saving mm-hmm. his spirit and reanimating him into the construct that we know him as today. So we rebuilt him in his, basically in his own image based off of what he had created. And that was the mechanomes. But at that point, they are mechanome yeah. robots, right? The the little mechanomes that you see, not the new allied race mechanomes, and we can get into that. It, right. There is an original mechanome, which is like the Blingtrons, the, there's battle pets, Steam-powered auctioneers, yeah, the auction- those kind of things. Exactly, the auctioneers. The original yeah. mechanomes were full mechanized robotic constructions. They were like automatons, kind of like Earthens are. Yeah, just like the Vrykul. The Vrykul were mechanical constructs as well. They... Really? Like golems, kind of? Uh, Kind of. The Curse of Flesh was created by Yog saron as a way to be able to kill... The mechanical constructs that were keeping him jailed. How he did Got that it. is he infused the Forge of Wills with mm-hmm. the Curse of Flesh. So what that did is Loken, who used the Forge of Wills to create his army of Rykul, was is now infected yeah. with this Curse of Flesh. The Curse of Flesh oh. slowly turned over the course of thousands of years these mechanical constructs into the fleshy... With the purpose of weakening them. Yes. Right? Making them susceptible exactly. to death versus... Making them vulnerable and like hardy able robots, to be yeah. killed. Because mechanical constructs, once you just break it, you just rebuild another one. So we, so we come from that. We eventually get infected with the Curse of Flesh, the gnomes. And I know there's a big gap in like history, like... We have all this ancient mm-hmm. history, which is recorded by others. And then you almost don't hear about gnomes until, if we're going to go chronologically, the next time anything happens with gnomes is hundreds of years ago when King Mechagon, who was the king of, of gnomes in on Azeroth, yep. right, the Eastern Kingdoms, eventually went out in search of the, this fabled mechanical holy land. Basically, yeah, which we know as of today as Mechagon Island. Yeah, so that's where they settled. So that happens, and and he's got his own thing, which we might cover another time. But they, he's he's off there doing his thing, trying to re mechanize everyone, which is the story of mechagnomes. Like you're saying, that gap. The the only history that we really have of gnomes prior to the first war was just mages, like head mages in Dalaran with the the Kirin Tor. Other than that, there was a gnome in the Council of Tirasfall that that created the first guardian I, I remember reading that i don't remember the, i don't i'm blanking on the name like out in blade's edge there's gnomes out there there's no recorded history but if you go through the quest lines in game mm-hmm. there's i mentioned in our last episode about rally tally and o'malley with the engineers the tinkers that's out in toshley station and blade's edge o'malley oh. is still out there I didn't know where they were. studying the druids if you're into tinkers and possible gnome druids I would suggest doing that quest line out in Blade's Edge with O'Malley at Toshley Station because he's out there studying them. He thinks that there's battery packs underneath their rows. Stay stay tuned for that Gnome Druid episode because we're going to talk about that sometime. That's really the only recorded history until we get into Wrath of Lich King and Gearmaster Mechazod. He was another one that Mm -hmm. after King Mechagon left, did their thing, this Gearmaster Mechazod, he tried doing the same thing. He was successful in turning unlucky gnomes into these mechanical constructs again, but they were mindless. They weren't the the mechanical wonders of Mimron's creation. They were just mechanized slaves, basically. So from like the video games standpoint, I don't remember there being any gnomes in Warcraft 1, but in Warcraft 2... They were like support units. There was one that was a flying like scout called mm-hmm. a, a gnomish flying machine, which you see in Warcraft, World of Warcraft. You know, our recorded history and contribution to that second war 
where the orcs invade from Draenor into the through the dark portal into into Azeroth is that they the gnomish flying machines were oh and they made submarines that's the other oh yeah one. the subs so that was kind of our contribution to the war effort we had sub there was like a submarine unit that helped bolster the the alliance naval fleet and then the flying machines were like a scout unit in that game in Warcraft two and then in Warcraft three I don't actually remember if there's any gnomes I, in that I one. wasn't I need to it might be a flying unit again I guess I don't know that history. Somehow I've, I've erased Warcraft 3 from my brain. And then we come to World of Warcraft, where initially when you first started playing, the backstory was we were in, I guess we could talk about that now, is we are running out of Nomergon, which has been overrun. And what, refresh my memory, what happens in Nomergon? Like, why do we have to abandon ship? There is another war going on, but at the time we were being overrun by Trogs. And at that point, there's the high tinker Mechatork and his chief advisor, Sikothermaplug. Like his number two. Yeah, his number two, Sikothermaplug. He was very, very much wanting to be... He was basically jealous of Gelbin, is what I'm understanding. He wanted to be a king of gnomes. High Tinker didn't want another king because the last king had left and just wanted to basically go back to the mechanical ways. And I don't know Gelbin's real thinking there. I would imagine that, you know, he probably saw ambition in Sycothermaplug, but no moral fiber, not enough moral fiber to like to, to restrain that from becoming dangerous. Yeah, he was afraid of the the implosion that it could create. And obviously he he saw it coming because it obviously happened. <laughs> it was and like right. spoiler alert. This spoiler, yeah. The Trogs like basically burrowed into the into Nomergon through tunnels through the ground. And so they start getting essentially attacked and overrun. But then why don't we live there? Okay, so Sicko, his idea was to fumigate it. We have a pest problem. Let's uh, let's fumigate it. So he did. He pushed the button mm-hmm. and caused this radioactive implosion, basically, that basically wiped out 80% of Gnomish existence. Stupid. The other 20% had to flee. Oh, whoops. He, Sicko stuck around mm-hmm. and actually uh, that radiation consumed him and then created the leper gnomes. Oh, yeah. So that when you're playing a new gnome, you start out in an irradiated kind of the top level of Nomergon having to teleport out. Yes. Basically, when you start as a gnome, it was after that explosion and you are part of the the relief forces there. They're helping out the safe. Yeah, they're helping. And, and you're there basically covered in this radiation and... Yeah, guiding people out. Exactly. At the end, at the end of that quest line to leave Nomergon, you go through this, um, this, this cleansing area. Oh, right. Yeah. There's a part where they, it like cleanses you or something. It's like a car wash almost. Basically. Yeah. To hose you off before you go, you take the elevator out or teleport out. I always end up taking the elevator and yeah. the quest <laughs> it has you teleport out. So I always have to go down every time I do it. But Basically, that's that's yeah. where we're at, it, or that's where we were at. Now, since Cataclysm, it's moved on to Mechatork formed basically a an invasion team to push back into Nomergon. So, like before Cataclysm, Nome started out in Dunmoral with the dwarves. It was the same starting area because we didn't actually like Nomergon was just a dungeon, and that was the story of us going to fight Sicko, who has basically self-proclaimed as king of Nomergon and is basically, if you want the city, come get it. Did it get retconned to the story it is now because i know like i'm pretty sure i read a book called the uh, the story of warcraft or something along those lines and it was one of the early developers of warcraft he was a level designer but he like kept all these notes and wrote a book and a lot of the early game decisions or a lot of the decisions that were made in vanilla wow were made because literally they didn't have time to implement other starting zones maybe i wonder if that's the case with the gnomes Originally, gnomes weren't even going to be a playable race. While you while you were just talking about it, I, I googled to see because I didn't. I had a gap in knowledge. Apparently, gnomes were going to be a playable race in Warcraft Three as well, one of the factions. But then they just don't appear in the game at all. <laughs> at all, I think they might be like a gnomish workshop as one of the buildings in the game, something along those lines. But there's no gnome units. I know. I heard somewhere. I don't. Maybe a viewer can find it and put it 
in a comment somewhere that oh, yeah, they good. were they were like a last minute decision to be put into the actual game of World of Warcraft, which I believe is why they piggyback on the starting zone of where the dwarves are. And then in Cataclysm, there is Operation Battle for Nomergon, I believe, or Operation Nomergon, which was a quest line to reclaim or get a foothold inside of Nomergon and have yep. that new base of new Tinkertown because gnomes were originally stationed in Tinkertown in Ironforge, which is like a mechanical oasis section of Ironforge. Right. So it wasn't until Cataclysm that new Tinkertown became a thing. The new starting area it was established outside of. Yeah, it's just outside the Nomergon. main gates of Nomergon before you take the elevator down. And that whole starting scenario, which now has the uh, like the dungeon portals there and then you start a, mm -hmm. a yeah. like yeah there's like training camps and some buildings and and some stuff you know starter quests to do yeah it, it's all like medic and like saving yeah. the gnomes fighting your way out getting cleansed so that way you can go out into the open world and then you start your quest in new tinkertown you meet up with the right. king out there i think that's a pretty good place to catch us up to almost current content we'll talk a little bit more maybe in another segment where we talk about how gnomes mm -hmm. are now and then how they've progressed since that starting experience has changed. We'll talk about mecha gnomes and kind of the increased involvement of gnomes in the storyline that Blizzard has brought to us in another episode. See where where it could go. Yeah, where where it's gone since they kind of fixed the introductory yeah. portion of the of the gnome story, which is what we just talked about. Where it could go, and then explore where it might go in the future because we've got some ideas around that stuff so we want to maybe we'll we'll table that and, and cover that in, in another segment for sure all right because if you go talk to high tinker mechatork in new tinkertown he says it's only a matter of time before we reclaim our city so we can probably we can probably talk about that for sure oh that's exciting yeah that would be awesome next we're gonna move over to the gnomish news network where we talk about wow wow news and wow events and what we're talking about today is the tazavesh the mega dungeon tazavesh the veiled market coming in 9.1 exciting stuff we'll see you there you're listening to gnn the gnomish news network your source for what's going on in azeroth and other planes of existence Today on the Gnomish News Network, we are talking about the Mega Dungeon coming in 9.1, Tazavesh, The Veiled Market. And I know I'm excited about it. I think you're pretty stoked about it, too. Oh, you don't even know. Uh, I mean, I've I think you've seen a couple previews of it, maybe some stuff on Wowhead, or I think Blizzard has an official. Yeah, I've been watching some videos. Watching some videos, totally. Uh, let me just give you a brief, quick rundown. It's a five-player Mega Dungeon, kind of in the vein of the Mechagon City. Mm -hmm. uh, dungeon or Operation Mechagon, I think it's called. Operation Mechagon, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's um, more bosses than a regular instance. Um, initially, just like Mechagon, it will be mythic only, and it has eight bosses. It's essentially the brokers of the different cartels. This is their marketplace. They're traders in you know in another reality dimension somewhere in the in the Shadowlands. This marketplace exists, and there's a small quest line to unlock it, so it shouldn't be too much of a pain in the butt for that. Yeah, it's not like a big attunement quest line or anything like original Karazhan for the raid or whatnot, but there's a little entryway there. So I went and looked through some of the features of it, and it has got eight bosses, and pretty much every one of them is awesome looking. Really creative, really interesting mechanics, and the artwork is like Ouroboros. Uh, architecture themed kind of but like with a lot of like crates and clutter and like a marketplace that's busy it almost reminds me of an indian marketplace kind of like when you when i see it in movies i've never been to india but you know what i mean like it's got a lot of stuff stacked up or maybe any marketplace the first so you're basically you're getting there and the first uh, npcs you encounter are the customs officers you have to like fight your way through to get into the first area which is the security room basically and an npc from it's a broker npc that has these four legs comes out spinning what look like lightsabers to me <laughs> yeah pretty much kind yeah. of uh, general grievous much, a little yeah. bit and it's got a pretty cool uh, mechanic do you remember the shield in the odin fight where you had to or the npcs that they put up a shield and you can only hit them from one side yes so this NPC has a shield like that, but instead of staying stationary, it rotates around the boss. So you have to be making sure you're not on the side of the shield. So you have to be repositioning the entire time. Interesting. It's pretty cool. That and is, it's got, uh, yeah, it's a cool mechanic. 
it's all right. I mean, that's the most interesting thing out of that. It has, you know, puts spinning sword traps on the ground and it's pretty cool looking. It, it does a part where it traps a single player in like a stasis cell yeah. and then starts marching towards that player. And so I guess the rest of the group has to break that person out. And once you break it out, the boss still continues to march towards that location. So then, but if your person's there, you get, you get killed or whatever. <laughs> that's funny. Then it moves into the market which is where the next three bosses are. And the second boss is basically like an auction house or a bazaar or whatever the word is. And it's mm-hmm. three mini bosses that make up the encounter. That's wild. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, there's a big range of boss types that are really kind of cool and, and varied. And I really like that. This boss here, it's uh, the first one is a devourer, which I guess we saw a devourer, an anima devourer in with the hungering devourer in uh, Castle Nath. And it's got this really great ability that it does like an explosion from itself. And it also does this thing that reminds me of the octopus boss from Nazjatar, where it creates like these, basically all these explosions on the ground that you have to like get in the gaps between. Oh, that one. Okay, that was a safety dance one. I like that mechanic because it was just... Are you talking about the Icker boss? Yeah, that one. Where it drops the Icker from the the roof and you can't stand in this, those circles. Exactly. Dance around the room. It's not quite the exact same, but it the visual here is like there's an orb falling and there'll be a big circle on the ground that's going to explode when it lands. So you okay. can't be in those circles, but there's so many that you basically have to dance into the gaps because it's covering most of the floor. That's interesting. And so, I, I don't know, that's pretty exciting to me. And so you have to time your movements to be out of the circle when it lands, I guess, the orb. The second part of that boss is an anima construct that comes out and, and shoots blue orbs out from it that you have to dodge, which reminds me a lot of the Odin fight. Remember, it shoots the orbs out everywhere oh right yeah those uh, those light orbs that he, he shot out and one of the one of the moves from the devourer boss is you get this hungering debuff in the second phase of that fight you can use that debuff because it persists to absorb the orbs which explode if you touch them otherwise doesn't it give you like a haste buff or something i think it does so it powers you up which lets you defeat things like the cool aspect of this is the mechanics from the first boss continue through the second and third bosses or second and third phases of that fight. And the same thing with the anima constructor construct boss has powers that continue into the third phase that help you defeat that boss. So it has all these persistent effects that you have to keep utilizing and the mechanics keep piling up on you, which is pretty awesome. That is actually really sweet. Yeah, I think that's a really creative way to introduce difficulty as the fight goes on. I'm noticing here that there's two mounts for sure that you can get out of it. Oh yeah, uh, one of them is an achievement mount. Like it, they're both discs, right? One's an achievement mount, but oh yeah, we talked about these a little bit last episode. Yeah, we don't know what that achievement is. Do you think that it's going to be related to like a hard mode like Mechagon? I wonder. I mean, that makes sense to me because there is one disc that drops off of one of the rares, drops off of Sole, just out in the world. Sole. It's not in this dungeon unless it's an NPC in this dungeon, but I don't think it is. Uh, Cartel Master Gear Glider. Yeah, that must be out in Cortia, maybe in the new area of the Maw. Oh, maybe. Okay, I might be reading that wrong then. Oh, Tazavesh Glider. That's the one. Yeah. So I wonder if I mean, because in Mechagon there was there was a mount that dropped off King Mechagon, the last boss. On hard mode only. Oh, is it only on hard mode? Yeah, so there's two mounts that came out of Mechagon, Operation Mechagon. There's the Peacekeeper spider tank, which is the gold spider tank that dropped off of HK on Mythic. And then there's the HK looking mount. (laughs) Then there's the HK looking mount, which is the hard mode mount that drops off of Mechagon if you complete the raid. Right on hard mode yeah. okay that's okay i had those mixed so i'm up. wondering if this mega dungeon is going to have something similar because it is the brokers and like it sounds like each boss is a mini game as you're describing them oh it's so cool i'm so excited about it that's totally what i was looking at is are these puzzles going to be like could you i i can't wait to get in there and test my, it out. my favorite type of play is learning raid style mechanics with a group that's why I like raiding mm-hmm. so much, and that's why I like initially I like dungeons a lot, and then it tapers off for me because I've learned the mechanics, the mecha- raid mechanics. So the reason I like that is it's just really fun to discuss the mechanics when you wipe or kind of look at it a little bit before you play. Like with the dungeon journal, it shows you you know what it's going to look like, and you kind of figure out okay, well what how if we what if we deal with it like this, or maybe sometimes you look up a guide, but it's executing that. And most dungeons don't have as complex mechanics as raids do, but these mega dungeons do, and I love it. I loved it in Mechagon. I love these mega dungeons. They did it with Karazhan, Return to Karazhan, which is basically turning a raid into a mega dungeon. It's funny. Obviously, I want it 
talk about this in its own segment, but I am going to talk about it now as a little breadcrumb. Seeing old raids turned into mega dungeons, I think would be, and this has been discussed in the chat that I was in, would be a great avenue that Blizzard mm-hmm. should explore, considering turning these old raids into a five-man playable current content thing with current tier-like rewards, mounts, yep. would basically make the old world current again in a way so with karazhan they they did a return to karazhan that was the the draw to that is that it was the story related to that area so they brought it back Mm -hmm. i wonder how they would do that with i mean if we you know we've hinted at we have this idea of what if they made an all gnome based (laughs) expansion like i could see nomergon becoming what you're describing exactly Making it current like that, like you could, even with this new Shadowlands, aka Wrath of the Lich Queen expansion, they could, (laughs) like you could, you could make like a relive Ice Crown in a five-man scenario where you turn Ice Crown into a five-man mega dungeon. Jeez, that would be a big dungeon. It's a big dungeon, but you could cut it down to eight bosses. Maybe. Right type thing, but we can we mm-hmm. can get into. It. I just wanted to yeah. mention it because Tazavesh is another one of those mega dungeons where it is a raid, but for yeah. five people, and it's and I love it. I love that dynamic because you're obviously going to get into it. Some of these mechanics you need five people to pay attention. You need everybody, yeah. Because in, in like especially in normal dungeons, it's sometimes you don't even have to worry about the mechanics, especially as you gear up. Like oh, you just even heroic, through. even in mythic zero, you're just like, well, just absorb it. It's easier than dealing with it. The healer can deal with it. I, my health can deal with it. This one here, like so, some of these mechanics that I'll get to are just. There's one fight that uh, I'm going to get to in here in just a minute that it. I cannot wait to play it, but I read it described as the friendship ruiner. <laughs> so the next thing, you basically fight your way through the the auction house bosses, which is the three bosses where the, the mechanics persist. Then you go into the mail room, and the next boss is basically the mail room. There's a robot that is called the Postmaster, P-O-S-T acronym, which I actually don't know what it stands for. And basically the mail room is going haywire and attacking you as is the boss. Mail but room? like sometimes there's there's a bunch of abilities that have awesome names in this thing. I just, I love that it's called the Mailroom Mayhem. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like some of them aren't bosses as much as they're encounters, which this is just another attribute that it makes it Mm raid-like. That's, I love it. I love these mini raids, five-man, like five-man content, five-gnome content. That, challenging yeah it's great i love this this uh this mailroom mayhem uh one of the effects is called money order and it basically it shoots a bunch of coins down at you and you have to all have to soak it to split the damage kind of a meteor effect there's one that i think is really interesting all around the room are all these giant vacuum tubes oh right that, i remember seeing and that. only one of them's active at once and so you start getting unstable goods thrown into the room which They're are bombs. Like bombs they have yeah. yeah they have that bomb icon and so you have to pick it up and it's just like when you move the golden things in the last fight in old deer oh like you move you move slow yes so you have to throw them in the one active mail slot so it gets out of the room before it kills everybody doesn't that act like a hot potato where you can grab it and toss it to your friends so you can like throw it to friends when you throw yeah, to get it, it across there's a the targeted room. location on the ground that your friend can see it and they have to stand in it to catch it and you can basically hot potato to it if you can't get to it i think enough. i think that is the issue yeah so that sounds really fun the coordination of that mm-hmm. i mean it'll be a little frustrating well because there's other mechanics on top of that that are happening totally. at the same time like yeah it's so cool but that one's really cool and the vacuum tube thing it's cool looking and i hope the postmaster becomes a pet because it's really cool looking robot i might like spoiler alert they did at blizzcon line they when they talked about this and introduced it one of the pets is this broker style looking mailbox looking battle pet thing Ooh, i like that so like it's pretty cute there's also this cute did it have a big blue eye I think so, yeah. Okay, so that's what this thing looks like. It looks like it has a mail, like a standard mailbox for a head, except it's got a big blue eye on the I hope it becomes a be. pet. Like, I hope they become, like, that would be cool if it was either a toy or a pet, and you can summon this, this mailbox broker-looking mailbox thing. Yeah, that would be pretty rad. I think that'd be pretty cool. There's another part of this dungeon where it's a puzzle trading game, kind of, not kind of like but in the in the idea of the court of stars segment where you have to uncover the the hidden demon Mm -hmm. 
where you have to go and ask everybody. And there's all these brokers that you have to trade like gem brokers to money brokers to armor brokers to whatever. And you have to like trade the right stuff to them to unlock the next section of the dungeon. Interesting. And so you have to coordinate with your team to get to unlock to the next area, which gets you into a place called the Oasis Bar. Fancy. And what it is is <laughs> this story is it's actually kind of awesome. This story is or this the story of this encounter is pretty interesting. The previous band gets booed off the stage. All right, I remember this. And your team has to pick up the instruments, which are a drum, guitar, saxophone, trumpet, and microphone, and basically please the crowd. Yeah, play it a little ditty. Yeah, and so the way it plays out is notes appear on the floor, and you have to collect the notes with your instrument to get like power ups, basically. That's gonna ruin friendships, man. <laughs> oh man. Oh wait, no. You think that one's bad? The next one's gonna be amazing. So, and that's a, a broker named Zogron, which. I think we talked about this before, but the the brokers, there's all these cartels in Oribos. Mm-hmm. And it's like cartel so, cartel ve, cartel ba, all these things. Well, all the brokers start with the two letters of their cartel they belong to. So, Venari. All right. You have Omaza. Mm-hmm. And then you also have So as me. That's interesting. So, the like as an example in Nathria, there is Artificer Zymox, right? And one of the bosses, and he belongs to Cartel Zai. And there's another, Cartel Zai is a war, like one of the war cartels, but it's like known as like a warmongering cartel. It's military and fighting. and it, it, Yeah, there's another Zyexa is in the other side. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those, that's how you know is the first part of their name is just the, their cartel, which is something I didn't notice, but somebody else did, and I read it somewhere. So with Venari, and then you have Vicon and Vinoth, Vinot, mm-hmm. I yeah, believe. they're are all they, in the same. They're the vendors from Torghast. <laughs> is, it, is that why they named it that? It's Vendor or something? <laughs> cartel Ve. That's just how the name came up? Maybe, because like you have Venari... Like, Venari's a vendor. You have Vicon. Interesting. All right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just something to keep out as you adventure through the Shadowlands. You'll say, oh, that person's in Cartel. But, like, because I... There's that room you go into in the inn in Oribos, and you go downstairs, and or maybe it's just to the right, and then downstairs, and there's all these cartel people sitting around, and I'm like, I wish there was more backstory about the inter-trading of the cartels, because that just seems like such a rich area to that you could create all these interesting stories. I'm pretty sure that's where the quest starts. I'm not, I haven't been on the PTR to look at it, but there is that portal. I was down there grabbing my weekly dungeon quest the other day, and I saw that portal, and I jumped through it as if I could go somewhere, but... Obviously, I can't yet. And I just, I want these portals to open. I want, yeah. I can't wait for these mysterious places to go. And like going to Tazavesh, it's a place that we don't know. We've never seen before. I know. I can't wait. It's going to be super exciting, especially going in there with like guaranteed four other gnomes. And it's just, we're going to wreck that place. It's gonna, I cannot wait. It's going to be great. So the next fight is the one that I read was, was they call it the friend killer because it takes so much coordination. Okay. So it's, uh, from Cartel So. Oh, so, it's so this Ozmi. one. Okay. So this one, and I don't remember what the encounter name is, but essentially they create, this person, this uh, boss creates portals that are look like a little vertical column of light with a shape over them. And there's three matching pairs. There's two circles, two squares, and two triangles. And when you touch one color, or one shape, you get teleported to the other. So if you touch one triangle, you get teleported to the other triangle, mm-hmm. which is a great effect, I guess. And they're all kind of slowly moving around the room. And so you want to, you know, if you want to get to one side of the room, you could touch the triangle one, end up on the other triangle one. And I'm sure there's a small cooldown, but once you touch it again, you go back. You're probably going to get into this throughout the fight. The room starts to get divided, right? And gets dangerous. So what happens is the boss will create a, a wave that originates at one point and it's like an expanding circle. And the outside, like the diameter of the circle, perimeter of the circle as it expands out is a wave of energy that can, I don't know if it kills you or it just does damage, but it's, you need to avoid it. And you can be inside the circle and you can be outside the circle, but you can't let that line of the outside edge of the circle touch you. And eventually it starts at one point and expands outward. So what you need to do is figure out what portal you can go into to go into inside the circle or away from the circle. Ideally, you want to jump inside the circle without crossing the line physically, which doesn't seem too hard on its on its surface. <laughs> you see that there's a triangle inside and there's a triangle yeah. outside. You touch the triangle and you appear. Well, that's at the start of the fight. <laughs> yes. The broker divides the room in half with like a wall of energy that not only physically stops you, but breaks line of sight. So your healers are going to have a great time. Oh, going to be fantastic. So then you have to make sure you're jumping. You know, you can't just run to whatever portal. You might have to use a portal to get to a portal to escape this wave 
or die to it. And then later on in the fight further, they divide it again. So it's now it's into four squares instead of two halves. So it's four quarters instead of two halves and just making it where you might have to jump from circle. And then when you come out the other circle, use that triangle to jump to the safe spot. Yeah, it sounds like a tanking nightmare. As a pug, as a pug group, I can see that being a very difficult fight. In a coordinated group, the the difficult part is going to be not losing sight of your healer, so that way you can be healed. Yep. But also the tank positioning themselves, like like the tank is going to have to be on point for that. It's going to take some foresight there just to see like, okay, here's how everything in the fight is moving. Exactly. And like plan ahead, right? And basically find the end mm-hmm. of the maze Oof. and find which portal is going to get you to the end of that maze. And the maze is as simple as just four, like by the end of the fight, when most like fights get hectic, it's divided into the quadrants, right? So I like, wonder if the quadrants are in the same spot every time. Like, I don't could know. we put markers down and and have four like you know four markers Call and say out. like okay you need to go from orange to blue, blue to red, and then that's how you do it. Hopefully that would be a way. T- I haven't seen it enough. Like I said, I'm right to I'm really map of, it out yet. Yeah, like I haven't actually gone onto the PTR to do it. I might actually see if I can get a group together to go test that out, uh, yeah. transfer our yeah. characters over and maybe maybe go play around in the dungeon a little bit because the testing mm-hmm. is available. Because it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and if it is going to be a set quadrant so you can set up the markers and be like, the tank can call out, okay, I'm going to jump from red to blue to green and then change it as, as it goes. So that'd be, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that one specifically is going to pan out because it's yeah. so much preemptive thinking. <laughs> That's the one I'm the most excited about. Cause when it goes right, you're going to feel like Warcraft gods mm-hmm. <laughs> when, like, when it doesn't, you're going to be like, Oh my God. Cause the portal jumping aspect of it alone and like outranging your healer. But in this case, LOSing your healer, getting hit by damage, but your healer can't get to you because they need mm-hmm. to, cause people are separated. Like, and that's not going to be on your healer. That's going to be on you to stay. I mean, the healer can't be in range of all five people if they're going everywhere. No, exactly. The people right. are going to have to be moving to the healer. So the yeah. healer and the tank are basically going to have to move together and i think i think so yeah i think there's other things going on that eps have to be separated yeah i think there's small explosions that appear out so you can't just be standing up you can't stack the whole fight so then after you defeat that boss you know these brokers are all about portals they they're very much like ethereals right they're they're energy beings that have portals mm-hmm. and they kind of live in a void dimension type <laughs> type feel to them yep the next part is you start jumping through portals to different parts of azeroth and other places but the next place you go is you end up in Stormheim and you fight through a bunch of murlocs murlocs yeah, yeah like a bunch of murlocs so trash. many murlocs and you go to the vault of Agrimar in Stormheim and you're fighting a giant uh, it's like what was in the warrior class hall the big like robot armor guys that were like automations for for Odin oh I don't even know well, so, but you can picture what I'm talking about. I don't remember what they're called, but they basically look like giant Viking type statues that come to life. Like you fight one in the first boss of Odin land, land, <laughs> whatever that, that first dungeon. Oh, that's, um, halls of valor valor. Yeah. So it looks like that. And he, the way it works is he has a big AOE ability and there's five consoles around the room or there's four consoles around the room and four players get marked with those glyphs from Halls of Valor over your head. Mm-hmm. Remember you had to go to your corresponding symbol in Halls of Valor yep. during the Odin fight. So it's kind of like that and you get that glowing red, green, blue, purple, whatever mark symbol over your head and there's four consoles. The only problem is the consoles themselves are not lit up, but there's a fifth console that the fifth player will activate that has almost like a map on it. So the consoles, the, the fifth console represents the room and this, the things show up in the right corner. So you have to reference that to go to your right shapes to oh, deactivate right. the boss. Uh, other than that, it's pretty much the same. It's, it's just, that's the main thing. You, the gl- you have to take the glyphs to the right place based on console number five's direction. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, you're talking about Hillbrand. Yeah, Hillbrand. Yeah, Sword of the Keepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a, he's a big, very cool... Um, basically maybe that's construct yeah. dude construct that's i couldn't figure out the word yeah so then the next boss is the one i think everybody had been talking about <laughs> which is the infinite pirate dragon oh man the guys at blizzard when they man i want an infinite drake pirate dragon mm-hmm. what else can we add to it let's put 
Let's let's just make it a pirate. Let's, okay. All right. Cool. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's. We have a pirate dragon. <laughs> I'll sign the paperwork. Get started. So the fight is interesting. I think it's a little more simple than some of the other fights, and I wonder if the damage is what's going to be the hard part. But it it has a bunch of uh, trash that spawns that has a lot of health and a lot of you, you know you're not intended to DPS it down. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But the dragon has a breath that will one shot the the ads so you need to keep the ads grouped up and then when the dragon's about to cast you need to get out of the way so the stuff gets killed time captain hooktail yeah and the whole time you're fighting there's a ship because you're fighting right at the coastline of Boralus. that's where you've teleported yep. to in this segment and you know these last couple bosses even the next one i'm gonna talk about there's no trash it's just boss to boss to boss to boss so it'll be a pretty quick part of that dungeon and it's all just working out the mechanics with your friends which is it's awesome. And so the ship that's just off the shore is shooting off spears and trying to pull you into the water, which will kill you. On top of that, the ship is bombarding the shoreline. So you have to watch out with that while managing the ads, while DPSing the boss and avoiding the boss's breath. Gross. It's, I mean, it's not as complex as, I think it's more straightforward than the portal boss before. Did you see anything about his tail? Because he is a dragon. Oh, I wonder if he does have a tail. Most dragons do. I would assume he does. Well, his name's Hooktail. You think there's a mechanic around that? I is there? I don't know. I, that part I didn't see. I really hope there is because like <laughs> it's in his name. It is. Hmm. I wonder why. So it's it actually is a pirate queen. I think is the premise, and she then shows her reveals her true form to be an infinite dragon. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That brings us if you if we can manage to defeat that boss, it brings us to the final boss of the fight, which is a broker that you break through. Um, creates a collapsing star which is one of its first abilities is pretty interesting and it has to basically go off four times and you have to soak it four times or it will be a big explosion so you do that and it'll eventually it'll it'll use up all its energy and go away this one's definitely going to take some character awareness and uh, yes. some communication and so this part is this is i really like this the, this next mechanic in phase two the boss turns into an energy being and creates these five relics around it which kind of look like spiked orbs a little bit this is what i'm excited about all the players get linked with a line between each not each player but um there's a line from you to the next player and it basically you can create a circle so everybody's connected to another person twice right you have a line coming from you and a line going to you and just like the Inerva fight in castle nathria and with the triangles, you have to put those lines through the relics to break them. So in a coordinated fight, you could do five for five. Yes. However. So I, the way I think it works is it, it like the connected players, it just it goes off every once in a while and blows up anything in its path or any of the relics in its path. I believe from the video that I saw, it, it's basically like a channeled ability. So yeah. all five of you will like will get targeted, will have that arrow. And in that time frame, we have to position ourselves to intercept as many orbs as possible with those arrows. There's five lines. You could conceivably break all six relics. But if you don't, then the other relics will persist. Mm-hmm. The boss, and then they'll get rid of them. The boss fires out a projectile that is like a glowing gold energy that bounces from projectile to projectile, making them shoot spikes, golden spikes out of them in all directions. They have to mm, dodge. And if fun. there's five orbs up, <laughs> so it'll go one and five orbs will come from, or five a bunch of spikes will come from that or uh, relic and then the next one and then the next one all five times. So if you haven't broken any of them, it's a lot of stuff to dodge while trying to DPS and heal and tank and all that other stuff. I think one of the main focuses I'm going to go in there as DPS is having the DPS at least try to take out three at a time, mm-hmm. uh, keeping it down to two, which would definitely make it a lot easier <laughs> to deal yeah. with. But um, like ideally you want to do all five, but that just takes coordination and some preemptive thinking of knowing when to call that out and positioning yourself because you don't know from what I've noticed is like you don't actually know the order that it's being connected to. Right. So it's not like a set order that those beams are going to go through. I think it's completely random. Yeah. So you just want your beam going through a relic. I think that's the key. Yeah. Because it's not like you have to break the relics in a certain order. I don't think. No, no, it's just making the best use of that mechanic and destroying as much Mm -hmm. as possible. Right. Where it obviously is possible. Saves your group as much hassle as, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, If you can focus down and hit three out of the five, I think that would be a good start, a good focus. Clear out half of the room at least. 
And that's a, I mean, and then on top of that, the relics shift around the room, kind of like the, the orbs in, Mech, in King Mechagon fight. Remember how every once in a while they periodically will like show an arrow and move to a new location? Oh yeah, the <laughs> the stunning bot yeah. things. Yep. So those things, that's same same idea with that as they move like that. And that's all, you know, it's a huge dungeon, eight bosses. What's cool about that is there there is a portal network in there. Right, that you can unlock early in the... Like, you encounter uh, in one of the first couple rooms, there's a portal room that don't, they don't go anywhere at that point. Yeah, but on your way to the other bosses, uh, much like Nathria with the mirrors, uh, these portals are going to work the same way. So on your way to another boss, there's a, like a little side mission that you can do. I don't know like all the, the details, and I, sh- I probably should have looked into that a little bit further, but we'll... We'll be able to basically, you bring, there's vendors, like there's an antique vendor, a fruit vendor, a meat vendor, and a toy vendor. I'm pretty oh, sure cool. like a lot of these have to do with unlocking the portals. So that way okay. it, it allows for fast travel because right. like you so mentioned. Your corpse run could be right back to the last <laughs> boss. I think there's a portal, I read somewhere, there's a portal right before the last boss. Yeah, there's, I, I think there's four but I could be wrong because a lot of it is jumping all across Azeroth too, right? So like yeah. that corpse run, it's going to be a long run without those portals. It's fine. You know, it, like at some point in the Mechagon, Operation Mechagon, the dungeon, when you die, it's not like you start at the beginning once you get past HK. Mm-hmm. At that point, you start midway anyways. Yeah, there's an NPC in there that's right before the Robodrone. Mm-hmm. Now, there's not anything like that. I don't believe you start midway through this dungeon. You start at the beginning, but if you've unlocked the portal network, then you can fast, you know, you can get to the later bosses or try them again or whatever. Yeah, they faster. do. They do reset you at the beginning, but the first boss is the customs officer, which is the portal room, uh, I believe. And like a lot of the mechanics uh, <laughs> I was reading here, the mechanics for like for the portal room guy, he's yelling out liquids are not permitted in packages <laughs> yeah the writing is pretty amazing yeah it, it, it's really cool these little hidden voice acting is it's like it, that's clever it's funny yeah i they i mean they're blizzard of the kings of that kind of stuff that's mm-hmm. great so i think that kind of concludes our episode for today how do you think we did good uh i i like talking about these mega dungeons and totally. i actually yes. look forward to breaking down more more mega dungeons in the future oh, and okay. I'm on like that. bringing back these old content these old raids as five-man mega dungeons yeah i think it's it's a great path forward and i think they're going to continue it you know i think one in expansion is pretty good i think that it might because eventually this thing is going to be it's starting out mythic only but eventually it will be split into two heroic and mythic plus style dungeons yes. right no, just like they sure. did with mechagon they did it with karazhan too with the keystone exactly exactly that's it for this episode of Eureka. If, yeah, I think we nailed it <laughs> personally. So if you guys want to find you know more info about it or other episodes, you can find us at nomergonforever.com slash podcast. And you can find each of us on Twitter. Uh, the show notes will be attached to the podcast. So we'll try to link some relevant stuff that we talked about, anything we referenced, we'll try. But hit us up with your thoughts or ideas for segments or whatever, and we will, uh, you'll hear from us soon. Awesome. Thank you for listening. listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Uh, uh, uh Uh-oh. Our gnome quarter is running low on electroflux. We need to hurry, so uh, you can find more expertly engineered episodes at nomeragonforever.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. For Nomeragon! (laughs) 